What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Scott. And they still call me Ben. We are joined for the second part of our rally episode uh, by, of course, Dylan, yet to be nicknamed Fagan. But we haven't forgotten. You know, we haven't. We're getting to it, though. Our our super editor, uh, our super editor, who is uh, everything you like about the Car Stuff episodes that you hear, uh, really, you know, a lot of it comes from this guy. Yeah, he fashions that together into mm-hmm. something that's acceptable for the public. He makes our sound like words, which is a <laughs> heck of a task. Yeah, and it happens sometimes, right? Uh, oh, he sure stitches, does. stitches it together in a meaningful way. Does a lot of audio production on our natural voices. My uh, natural voice is actually much more, uh, much more Elmer Fudd and a donkey. Uh, but... <laughs> But you right? know, what? I, I'm just trying to picture the mix. <laughs> too. Yeah. I don't know. I'm uh, not. It surely it's not that bad. I, uh, I speak in uh, like Pepe Le Pew uh, mm-hmm. language. You know, like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and we're both actually speaking Russian now. Yeah. So uh, he does a fantastic job, as you can see. <laughs> he does all the translations. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing what he can do with that soundboard. So uh, we had in our previous episode last week, uh, we quickly realized that. There's so much cool stuff that we we learned and did during our uh, during Carstuff's first road trip that we need to make this a uh, two part series. So, uh, what do you say, Scott? You want to just pick up where we left off? Let's do it. The next day we set out um, again. We're already in. Um we're in Deep Creek, Maryland, yeah. and so we're at this resort that looks a lot like uh, the Overlook in the beginning of The Shining because it's closing down, or this one wasn't closing down for a season, but, you know, it's not 
it's not completely full to the brim, and it's definitely a lodge. It has this lodge vibe, and it was really nice. Right at the base of a ski mountain. Right at the base of a ski mountain. There are yurts in the horizon, and we uh, have been warned. We've been warned not to uh, venture into town, or if we do, to venture into town carefully. Because apparently the law enforcement there had a had a reputation for targeting people without a state license plate. Oh yeah, and here we are in a rally car. I mean, right. it, it, it couldn't stand out anymore. And you so. can see the pictures on Facebook, Scott. I think you put them up. Where yeah, where the car is plastered. It looks awesome. But day two, we leave, and it's. Um, what is it like eight thirty, seven thirty? Yeah, it's a pretty early in the morning. It's early in the morning. I'd say eight or eight thirty. I can't remember exactly mm-hmm. when, but. Um, Let's see. Was this the day that we stopped for breakfast with uh, with the other group of people? This was okay. Yes. So we pulled over and uh, we we stopped and had breakfast with uh, oh who's there? Eric and his girlfriend were there. Uh, Ryan was there with his drone footage from that morning. We wanted to see. Um, and the people that you're naming are people who are also participating. Yeah. These are other teams. These aren't just random people in Maryland. Yeah, exactly. The other team members that were there and we're trying to figure out our day and what we're going to do and uh kind of we decided this day that we're going to take a little bit more leisurely start and, and get get our uh get ourselves together and, and get along the way here and uh our first checkpoint was going to be a train station in Oakland, Maryland. Yeah, the B&O a B&O train station and it was dedicated in 1884. There's more than one B&O historic train station here in this part of the country so we we went there and scott you had said something that really stuck with me you said uh wow it looks like there's a a museum in every single town we're going to and i looked around and especially a lot of smaller ones you were right and i would love to go back and check out more of those museums because museums are of course my favorite places. Well, know? even this train station was a museum, a, tra- mm-hmm. um, a train museum. But then across the street, there's a transportation museum mm-hmm. that I was just dying to go into. It was right there in Oakland, Maryland. Um, and, so, and, and again, every town had one of these. Right. And from there, let's kind of speed things along here. So For from sure. there, we went to a place called Blackwater Falls. Mm-hmm. And then we went to uh, the what was it, Tucker County, I think? It was the courthouse, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Courthouse uh, slash jail. And it, it was built in 1898. We also saw him some historic bridges along the way. And then we went to a place called uh, Seneca Rocks Discovery Center, where there's just this beautiful, th- this beautiful natural rock outcropping. Yeah. And it's stunning. There's also, let me just plant the seed here, we also noticed that there was increasingly no GPS signal. Yeah, and here's here's the issue with that is that we were relying heavily on electronics for navigation. So as most people were. And not only that, because of, you know, the what we were doing, the way we were covering this event, I guess, is that we were trying to post on Facebook and Instagram, we we're Instagram stories, you know, for this whole thing and uh, and just social media in general. So we're doing a lot of stuff also in addition to and, and also communicating with each other. And the problem was we were getting less and less signal as we went along, and we were thinking this is kind of weird. You know, it's really spotty in a lot of places, but you know, because it's mountainous. Uh, but there was a point where we just all didn't have a signal, and for a long, long time we didn't have a signal. But we didn't realize that our checkpoint number six that we were headed to, which was the Green Bank Telescope, um, Green Bank Radio Telescope, uh, had a lot to do with that. 
Yes, this was the discovery of something that surprised all of us and several other race teams. You see a great swath of West Virginia, part of Virginia, and a tiny bit of Maryland are part of a 13,000-square-mile zone known as the U.S. National Radio Quiet Zone. Yeah, the NRQZ. And yeah. if you've never seen this, you can check it out on a map, but mm-hmm. uh, just give you an idea of the size of this thing. It's a big rectangle shape, and it's about 107 miles on the north side, 109 miles on the south side, and each of the sides, east and west, are 120 miles in length. So again, 13,000 square miles, and there is very limited, if any, radio signal that is allowed in that zone. I mean, that, that entire area is pretty much a, again, a, a designated a uh, federal quiet zone. Um, that means that you have no uh, no cell phone service. Uh, you can't have a Wi-Fi router. You can't have a microwave oven in that area. Right. Um, Jury's out. I, and this sounds like a joke, but pacemakers may also be an issue. Faulty electrical equipment is, right. is flagged as being uh, as being a problem in that area, a nuisance in that area. You can have some electrical equipment, but it can't be faulty because it sends out a bad signal. No remote control toys. No. Yeah, exactly. And within a mile of this uh, this this telescope that we went to, this uh, this Green Bank radio telescope. Um, which is, by the way, that's a huge thing. That's it's what 485 feet tall, and it weighs something like 17 million pounds. But it's a steerable radio telescope, world's largest. And we saw it move while we were there. So there's going to be some video of us standing in front of this thing moving. But we saw it move from more than a mile away. Yeah, from a long, long way. Because away. they don't allow internal combustion vehicles within a mile of the of the device. Yeah, that's because of spark plugs. So with the exception of diesel-powered vehicles, uh, you're not allowed to get within a mile away. Now, the diesel-powered thing is is interesting to me that they allow that to happen. So maybe the the, um, the patrol vehicles that they use, because they do have police that patrol the area with sensors mm-hmm. uh, that detect where there is radio frequency or where or, um, any of these signals, these electromagnetic signals are coming from, and they will hand out... A $50 fine on the spot to you if you have a device that operates with one of those signals that they that they ban. This is a place, I know we're going long, but this is a place that we need to spend some more time on because pay phones are still in operation there, oh. in use. There is one radio station that can sometimes be heard, Allegheny Mountain Radio, I believe it's called, because their AM frequency is so low that it's not considered a threat to the telescope. All right, so we're in this quiet zone, and again, we're we're knocked out of our navigation, but thankfully we had already programmed in our final destination into an old GPS system that I have. The Garmin. uh, Yeah, the... (laughs) <laughs> ben refers to it as not just the Garmin, but the Garmin. And uh, it was one that I've had for many, many years. I don't know. I'm going to ballpark this. Fifteen years. I've it had saved it. our bacon. My, uh, my grandmother gave me that as a Christmas gift one year, and it's, it, it just kind of dug it out of the drawer and used it, thinking that you know we'd have this one device that would be constantly on you know, to our final destination and, right. and help us out. And it did. Because it had um, some outdated maps, but it... It was our North Star when okay. we were... Oh, Ben, you had to qualify that with outdated maps? Well, okay, look, I. the thing was, it's not It's not a, a criticism, Scott. This is this Garmin, the Garmin, became our uh, North Star, kind of, our, our, our compass, because what we did is we used multiple GPS systems. We would have, uh, we would have somebody navigating and saying, okay, here's the fastest way, here's the fastest route to this thing that we've also researched and we're pretty sure it's this. The checkpoints. Right. And then the Garmin would tell us, uh, which is an idea that you had that was pretty ingenious, to put in our final destination uh, for the day. 
Yeah. Not like in life, but for the day. And uh, then we would be able to estimate from wherever we were located the driving time so we'd know how much time we needed to cut. And we had to triage a lot of things, especially if we're stopping to film stuff. Yeah, so it gave us a, a constant reminder of the arrival time at our final destination. It never varied from that, no matter where we were. And so that was a, a good way to determine when, right. we, when we'd have to give up on the checkpoint search and just go straight to the hotel. And, I have a, and, and it and worked that day. On the, the second day, it worked. Yeah, the Garmin definitely served its purpose there when we were in, again, this enormous zone that actively disrupts cell signal. However... Uh, I did learn some other stuff because I thought all of this for one radio telescope that's interesting. Yeah. And it does make sense that you can't have ambient radio noise disrupting the already weak signals coming from uh, coming from extraterrestrial sources. By which I don't mean aliens. I mean stuff that's not on Earth. Yeah, that's right. Like chocolate producing towns. Somewhere out in the universe, but you know, with Hershey being the uh, you know the capital of the universe, as we established early in this episode, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty solid math. I, I think in it is science. the known universe of all <laughs> chocolate-producing towns. Hershey's so, probably it. Yeah. So it led, of course, to the question that that I had that we started exploring, which was: Is there something I could do? about this as a topic for a conspiracy show. And it turns out that it's not just the seat of a, it's not just the seat of radio telescopes. That's the largest fully steerable telescope, the one in uh, Green Bank. However, there's another in Sugar Grove that is also in use. Uh, And in Sugar Grove, the U.S. Navy has what's called its Information Operations Command, or something like that. It's involved in naval network warfare, and it can it collects a bunch of information that uh, the naval intelligence gathers and its intelligence affiliates gather from around the globe. So it's a military intelligence bank of sorts in that area. Right. And, and what secure. a perfect place to put it, sure. you know, in a, in a place where there can't be any kind of remote... Hack. It can know? be it can be easily monitored mm-hmm. uh, for a wide region all around it. So that's a it's very smart. And then we found ourselves hauling our keisters, if I could say that, to Snowshoe, West Virginia. Coincidentally, one of the only places in the entirety of the quiet zone where cell phones will work. And AT and T, I did a little digging into this. AT and T had to work assiduously with the Snowshoe Resort and with the federal and local government to guarantee that not only would this Wi-Fi cell phone stuff work in this area, but it would also be contained by AT&T within this area. And boy, was it ever, because it was so tight that when we were out in the parking lot, it wouldn't work if you walked in, you know, up a, a flight of stairs to the uh, kind of the general yeah. uh, gathering area. It worked there. Yeah. And in the rooms, it worked perfectly fine. But once you went beyond the walls of that resort, it was, it was, shut it down. was done. It was over with. And and that's, okay, that's leading into the next day. So we're at this, again, we're in a beautiful, um, another mountain resort, really. Uh, uh, and this one top was of the ski hill. even a little, this one was also a little bit overlooking because it was the last, I know I made up that word, I'm churchifying here, it's Scott. Okay. It's okay. It was the It was the last night 
that that place was going to be open before it closed for a season. Yeah, for the uh, for the end of the, the summer season, I guess, and before the winter season, when uh, you know the, when the snow uh, not snowbirds, but when the uh, people come back that uh, they want to ski, want to right. use the resort for uh, the winter fun. And, so, um, so do we begin day three? Yeah, let's, so day three. Of course, you know, have really no signal, and we didn't have the clues ahead of time, so you don't know right. what to look for. So they hand you the the chart as you're leaving the uh, the parking lot. And really, your only option or your best option is to pull up into the parking lot once again. You know, the the upper lot, yeah. where you can still get signal, even though you've checked out of your room, you can still get signal for another few hours, maybe, um, and then go through the clues there. And that's what the smart teams did. What we did, however, was head down the road, and we <laughs> we turned off in whatever direction we thought we might be going towards the next hotel. Uh, you know, because we had that information from the Garmin. Thought we were on the right way, on the right route, but uh, it turns out we weren't uh, because the first checkpoint was the opposite direction. Then we had to, you know, backtrack. Uh, but anyways, we we had a rough start. We met up with uh, we we actually found one of them on our own because uh, we had signal for just a moment, and we did find the very first checkpoint, which was another falls. It was the Falls of Hills Creek in Pocahontas County, West Virginia, mm-hmm. and then we went on to checkpoint number two, which I don't even know how we found that one. I guess maybe another. A little tiny area of of signal. Droop Battlefield, uh, the last significant Civil War battle in West Virginia. In Hillsborough, West Virginia. Now, this one had a tower and an incredible overlook over this battlefield area for the Civil War. And, again, last significant battle uh, uh, in West Virginia. And while we were there, uh, some people pulled up, and they were reenactors, Civil War reenactors. Do you Mm -hmm. remember that? Yeah. I don't know what they were doing. They were going to set up for maybe a photo shoot or something, because there weren't many of them. Uh, Maybe one truckload of people. And uh, they they had some kind of plan for that location that day, but uh, we didn't stick around for that. But we did climb around on the tower for a while and had some fun there, and it was beautiful. I really want to nice. point out this was still an area where we ran across several small towns that just didn't didn't have anything there. No yeah. restaurant, no library. Yeah, it was, uh, it was oddly desolate, wasn't it? Now, yeah. This is Sunday, right? So um, yeah, at the last day of the rally and. Part of that was because it was Sunday. You know, a lot of things were shut down, but partially because there just wasn't anything around. There were no gas stations, uh, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, still using pay phones in a lot of these towns, which you don't see anywhere right. uh, anymore, really. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. 
We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know, I remember the way that we made it to Droop Battlefield, despite not having signal, is that we ran into some fellow rally folks at the falls that we went to on our own, and then they gave you a couple of clues, a couple of tips, and while that was while I was running down to get a picture of these waterfalls, and we came back, and that's how we got to West Virginia. We also realized quickly that we needed to cut for cut the actual rally for filming time again and so we went to one thing that i couldn't let go of was i put my foot down about checkpoint seven which was the mothman oh we had to see the mothman museum right in point pleasant uh point pleasant west virginia yeah of course and you know what we all ended up really enjoying that that was a that was a, a, a great call on your part ben because um this is, in, again, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit of the story about it, and I know that that's probably a story for another sure. show, even, really, okay. but yeah. um, we're, we're nearly done here. Uh, uh, we're wrapping up, but, so, but what a cool place that was. And, and by the way, you know, kudos to Noel for calling ahead and having them stay open for us 10 minutes later. Mm-hmm, which was your idea. Well, yeah, but, I mean, he did it. He actually called and did it, and it worked. He was uh, he sweet-talked them enough to let them stay open 10 minutes longer for us to, you know, come in and actually buy mm-hmm. something there and for additional rally points. And uh, I think that that was cool. I still think we would have made it because there were still people in there. Yeah. But... It was way better to let the people know so that they did. We didn't look like jerks coming in. Yeah, seven minutes after it closed. So Mothman is a cryptid that is a local legend in West Virginia because in November of 1966 to December of 1967, numerous people in the area reported seeing a, a humanoid creature with glowing red eyes and wings. And began to think that it would be a harbinger of disaster. Uh, and that, like the Banshee and some old European myths, if you saw it, it meant something bad was about to go down. Yeah. Where I think with the Banshee, if you heard it, then you would die. Yeah, didn't they see it on a bridge that later collapsed? And, right. Uh, wasn't there something with a factory, maybe, in a fire? Or, is that, or am mm. I making that up? Maybe that's another myth. What's a, what's a cryptid, by the way? Yeah, a cryptid is a creature that is alleged to exist, but but hasn't been proven to exist in modern science. So, like Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, those would be cryptids. Uh, animals that are 
that are officially considered extinct but still uh, believed to exist would also be cryptids. And, you know, zoologists will dismiss a lot of the stuff by people who call themselves cryptozoologists because they say there's like a confirmation bias. Like you want Bigfoot to be real, so you're ignoring everything that says that it can't be, such as the fact that there's a lack of scat or leavings. Right. The fact that uh, if there is such a population, no bones have ever been found. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that now we live in a world where everybody has a camera and there are not more uh, sightings. But there are also cases wherein a cryptid was proven to exist, uh, becoming no longer a cryptid. And probably one of the best examples of that is the coelacanth. I knew you were going to say that. It's an ugliest sin, ancient fish that was thought to have been extinct for millions of years, at least according to Western uh, Western academies, Western institutions. Until that is, I guess someone with the right scientific credentials happens to see this fish that the native people in the area knew about forever, and they, and they were essentially saying, well, this is worthless fish? Yeah. And then, we occasionally catch these, sure. Yeah. I mean, they're not our favorite. <laughs> but that means that... Uh, so the Mothman kind of falls into that former category yeah. because these appearances, the the glory days were from about a month, a year and a month, 66 to 67, uh, not seen again, but considered a local legend. You can, of course, see the film with Richard Gere, I believe, The Mothman Prophecies. We saw the museum and it was fun. There's a really weird statue out in the square, so we took pictures with yeah. that. Yeah, we bought some shirts and a hat. You, you traded in your, your famous Steelers hat uh, for a Mothman search team hat. Yeah, because uh, uh, we were going through Ohio after that, and somebody warned me about wearing the Steelers hat in Ohio. But that Steelers hat got us out of several tight spots. It did. It worked. I've it decided I am a Steelers fan. <laughs> it was a good luck charm. And the Steelers uh, won the game the last <laughs> night we were there. Well, perfect then. It worked out well. It worked out well. So we got to, uh, so we continued our drive. We got to a college town called Athens, Ohio. And we were, we went to the the award ceremony, which was really nice. Also a little late again, but that was because we were filming. Right. And we knew we were going to be a little bit late to that. Right. And then uh, probably one of the coolest things that happened, at least from my opinion, is a listener for the show, uh, Simon Workman. And I hope it's okay that I use your real name here. Uh, yeah, because he's on Facebook. He okay. knows, right? So Simon drove two hours out of his way from Dayton, Ohio, just to, just to come hang out. And so after we had wrapped up the stuff and cleaned up, we all went and grabbed, uh, grabbed some food. Yeah, uh, had some Thai food. Uh-huh. And then, uh, and then hung out at a brewery for a little bit and just talked about projects that we wanted to accomplish and stuff. And so we wanted to say thank you for, uh, taking the time out, like going so far out of your way, Simon. That was, that was really neat. Um, yeah, he's a real solid guy, Simon. I mean, I, yeah. I enjoyed talking with him. He was just a lot of fun. He said, I think he was originally a fan, just a big fan of your show, your uh, your Stuff They Don't Want You to Know show. Hmm. And he's only been listening to car stuff for about a year, maybe a little bit longer, but said that he's really getting back into that kind of thing because he was in the past. And, oh, yeah, of course, fan car of, guy in the past. Uh, other How Stuff Works podcasts as well, Stuff uh, stuff You Should Know and, mm-hmm. and others, the History Class uh, sure. um, show. And and. Just again, I, I just am floored by the idea that someone would drive a couple of hours across the state of Ohio 
hang out with us for a couple hours and then drive all the way back at you know two in the morning or whatever time it was. Uh, but man, that was a lot of fun. It was a Sherlock Holmes expert. Oh yeah, that's right. That's going to be his uh, his his final paper, right? Yeah, his dissertation. His dissertation. That's right. So um, interesting guy to talk to, really. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. So that was the end of our rally day, and we did some interviews with we did some interviews with some of our fellow rally drivers or rally teams, and then we instead of making the ten-ish hour drive back to Atlanta that night. Because we could have just left at you know eleven p.m. or whatever, <laughs> yeah. uh, or midnight. Yeah. Um, we 
we crashed there in Athens, and then we headed out. And our last day was our last day was pretty relaxed. Yeah, let's call it uneventful, and uh, which was nice because of the way mm-hmm. up, uh, up there was so difficult. So mm-hmm. um, we uh, we really enjoyed the ride back. And 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 the good part about this whole thing is that uh, everybody in the car got along pretty well. I mean, there were moments of friction, I guess, as there would be with four guys in a car trying to accomplish different things all day long for four or for six days, really. Um, but actually, we all, got, we all got along pretty well. I mean, everything went really, really well for us. I mean, uh, we, we I couldn't ask for a better team, really. You guys were great. Hey, you're great. Oh, thanks. Thanks for letting me drive your car, and you're welcome for not wrecking it. <laughs> yeah, well, I do appreciate that, but uh, you did really well. It was, uh, uh, it was a, a bigger car than you're used to now, but not bigger than the uh, than the Monte Carlo of the past. No, right? no, it's a minnow compared to the Monte Carlo. <laughs> hey, what, you, but you it's nice. got some scoop. We have not given Dylan his nickname yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, let's... Uh, do you want to do lessons learned first, or do you want to do Dylan's nickname Let's do first? lessons learned first. Okay, all right. So... Lessons learned for those of you who wish to participate in your first road rally. We uh, we highly encourage you to do so. It's a heck of a lot of fun. This was a relatively short one in comparison to some others, and I would recommend starting with a short one. Oh, yeah. Uh, so first thing, keep track of communiques. So if your rally runners have a Facebook page, if they have a forum, if they have a group thread of some sort – Constantly check that. If you say, oh, I just checked that five minutes ago, that is nothing but a sign that you should check it again <laughs> because things can change. These are these are very fluid situations. Secondly, do as much prior research as you can. We didn't know if it would be unsportsmanlike to do so. To check on the area. Right. However, that is, that is one of the ways that you become really competitive. Very right? smart. Very smart. And if you... If you do feel that is unsportsmanlike, then that's that's up to you. You know that seems like a personal aesthetic. You're not banned from doing it. No, in this rally in particular, you're allowed to use electronic devices and to uh, to do pre research because the route is a known route. It's not mm-hmm. like you're uh, you're going out there completely blind. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, why not know the area? I mean, there's a lot of people that were from that area anyways that already knew many of these clues just by sight. Uh, yeah. You know, a, a quick photo and they knew exactly where they were headed. Yeah, that's have a fixer if you can, have a local. Uh, <laughs> but one of the other ones is to be ready to prioritize and to triage. So it's not worth your time to go out of your way to do things that are 10 points each if at the end of the day they only give you 60 points when driving just straight to another place will get you 150 points a pop. Yeah, and another thing you could do is you can skip entire checkpoints. Because, I mean, it just as an example, if we had skipped that, uh, that that Flight 93 site on the very first day, although I'm glad we didn't skip that, that site, I mean, that was one we really wanted to see, uh, we would have made it to our final destination on time, you know, within the, the boundaries of the limits and, and been able to have our, have our points count for the day. So that would have made all the difference in the world on that one day. Um, we would have placed somewhere in the middle of the pack anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered mm-hmm. that much. Not, not that we're going to place, but um, it's still, you got to uh, get an idea for what you can and can't do and just be realistic about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with that in mind, uh, it, was a, it was a great time for everyone involved. Heck of a learning experience, and I'd like to go on some more road trips with car stuff. So I want to ask everyone to think of uh, places we should take a drive to. Listeners, a lot of you have sent us excellent suggestions about things in our area, and we're putting together some uh, some 
expeditions. I would almost like something that we're not competing in next time. Mm-hmm. You know, something for the for the very next one. I mean, not that we'll never do another rally again or anything, but uh, but we would like to uh, find some things that we're not competing in. That we're just more taking a uh, a leisurely drive somewhere and uh, and really soaking in all the local culture and and uh, you know everything about that area. Because we when we did take time to do that on this rally. Those are some of the best times that we had, Ben. We were talking to locals or when we were uh, hanging out in the, the giant coffee pot in Bedford and talking to the woman that operates that there. Or she was there quilting or something. I forget what she was doing inside. I think that was quilting. But she had so many tales to tell about the, the Bedford area and all the great things that happened there and, and what's happened in the past and about the highway, you know, bypassing, uh, you know, the, the town way back when. Uh, just it, it was really a fun, fun trip. And, and the people that we met were just Remarkable. They were unbelievable people. Just salt of the earth. Really good to talk to. Uh, just, just a fantastic group of people all along the way. There, there, I can't really think of. Okay, outside of the one guy that I met outside of Yoakum's uh, store, you know, right in, in the radio <laughs> silent zone. Yeah, I can't think of anybody that. That, uh, that that really kind of rubbed us the wrong way. They were all really, really nice and, and friendly. And you've got a great impression of them, but it's not. We both have a great impression of them, but it's not fit for. Uh, uh, we'll do that later. Not fit for audio here. Uh, let's see. So nicknames for nicknames for our super editor. Uh, Dylan Fagan. Uh, let's see. Well, we were in bison country. Anything there? Uh, bison see. hunter. All right. He says he's not much of a bison hunter. So, uh, so, so, what should we go with? Maybe. Uh, well, we we kicked this around a little bit through the uh, magic of editing. Hats off to you, Mr. Fagan. And we have come up with Dylan Radio Silence Fagan. Oh, I like it. I or, do like it. Or there's also something really intense with Dylan, the quiet zone, Fagan. <laughs> the quiet zone. <laughs> he is kind of the quiet That's zone. That's the really. tagline. Yeah, he's, always, uh, he's always working on stuff uh, very quiet, so maybe that works. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that you guys work pretty closely together, too, yeah. off air. Right next to each other. There. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, sometimes I steal things from his desk. <laughs> the truth comes out. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, I don't. I'm just kidding. You're the bandit taking no, all the pens no, and no. staples. But he's always looking at my things. He's always looking at my stuff. You know, like you hate like it when I've got my desk. That. Yeah, don't look at my stuff while I'm done. <laughs> oh man. No, I'm just joking with him. We have we have fun. <laughs> I'm just picturing. I would love to. You know, I get really close to pranking you sometimes, man. Me? Uh, yeah. Or Dylan. Um, or both. You, okay, mainly. Yeah. Um, but it would, I would love for the next time you're on vacation to put up a sign that says, don't look at my stuff. I'll know. <laughs> That's, <laughs> right. That's the weirdest thing. Um, yeah, but so all in all, this is a learning experience. Very exciting to be on our first road trip. And we want to thank everybody who um, who donated their time, more importantly, their attention as well to this or their support and we met some amazing people we saw some astonishing sights and we took some stunning trips we also have more stuff about this coming out pretty soon and we can't say much about it right now other than stay tuned and in the meantime if you would like to check out our other podcast on road rallies in general not just ours we we looked at some pretty famous ones in the past uh and we got kind of close to going to the gumball, but I'm glad we went to this one instead. Yeah, well, yeah, both have their high points, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, the other one was just a little bit too uh, too exclusive for us. 
Mm-hmm. Too much, uh, too much cash. Too much. A lot of scratch. Cash. Yeah, a lot of scratch in that one. They don't take Ben Bucks either. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> no Ben Bucks. No. Oh, by the way, we should thank them. By um, by the way, um, for sending. They sent us another invitation. We are officially invited to participate in the 2017 Gumball Rally. And what do, you, do you think we should do it, you guys? Well, <laughs> you know what? They, everybody does think we should do it. That's the, that's the easy part, right? Saying that you should do it. <laughs> the problem is the price of admission, and and uh, of course, getting the supercar to wherever it begins. I don't know, like in. Istanbul or wherever it starts. I don't remember. Maybe it's London this year. I can't remember. It's on the invitation, but we each received an invitation this time. Yeah. So remember how we said we were going to have to arm wrestle for that last one? Uh huh. Fight about that last one? Uh, this time, no concern. And we may very well end up podcasting, who knows, from somewhere out there in Europe or the Mediterranean this time next year. But regardless of where we are, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, where we are Car Stuff HSW. As we mentioned before, you can check out all our previous episodes, and oh, brother, there are a lot, at our website, carstuffshow.com. And if you have a recommendation for someplace that we should go adventuring, if you have a suggestion for a topic we should cover in the future, if you have some feedback on your own experiences with road rallies, we'd love to hear from you. Our address is carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com.